Okay, Ivy, let's talk faith and justice. So this is, if we decide not to delete it, the inaugural episode of Boston Faith and Justice's Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. Um, And as we get started, I thought I'd share a little bit about how we arrived here. Feel free to jump in because obviously you've been on this journey. So as a lot of people know, we started Uncomfortable Conversations in the summer of 2020 as a way, one, to reach people because we were all in our houses and this new technology called Zoom allowed us to do things we hadn't been able to do before. So, and that intersected with um, the murder of George Floyd. And we really felt like we wanted to bring a conversation to our community where we could engage and learn and grow and face some things that were hard and consider how to move forward. So that was the birth of Uncomfortable Conversations, which has been going on since then. Every other month, every two months, different topics around an injustice that we felt like we had some organizational connections, some personal connections, some ways in which we could offer something to the conversation, even just by bringing people together. So our last uncomfortable conversation, I think, was maybe in November. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. And so now it's in 2023, we thought, okay, what would it look like to continue uncomfortable conversations? Or is it something that has its time has passed or is there like a new way we could do it, right? We were having that conversation along with a lot of other organizational conversations. I'm sure a lot of um, both for and not-for-profit organizations have at the start of a new year. And where we landed was, what if we tried a podcast? It seemed like a format that was really fitted to the vision of uncomfortable conversations, which was bringing in new voices and perspectives, offering both information and an opportunity to engage. We thought a podcast might allow us to do that with a little bit more flexibility and also with a little bit more consistency. And here we are. We said, we're going to try it. And we Googled a lot of things. Uh, Maeve, our wonderful intern, who I'm sure will join us at different points, was able to help us with some practical things. And we just set a date and said, let's start talking. And then once we kind of committed to the podcast route, we said, okay, we maybe we could open it up with talking a little bit about BFJN and where BFJN came from and then how Ivy and I ended up here at BFJN as sort of a foundation. Is that an accurate history of like how we arrived at this podcast moment? Yes, it is. And it's so exciting because I feel like podcasts over the past few years have become the it thing to do. And as you mentioned, it allows us to have more flexibility and creativity. Um, And it's also something that you don't necessarily have to, you know, visually see. It can be something that you're doing and just tuning in um, to the audio. So I'm very happy to be launching this podcast today, and I'm looking forward to all the different conversations that we are to have. But I think it's great to start talking about BFJN and what is Boston Faith and Justice Network. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, and so thinking about the history of BFJN, so neither Ivy nor I were around at the start of Boston Faith and Justice. I'll just put that out there. It was started around 2005, 2006. Uh, It's a little, not iffy, but when it became an organization was more 2006. But when the people started coming together was more 2005. So that's where it was kind of two dates. Um, And it was formed in response to a Sojourners call to renewal. So everyone's familiar with Sojourners, but they're a progressive evangelical organization that really speaks into a lot of social justice issues. And I believe Jim Wallace, who was the 
is the founder, was the president, is has now moved on to other things, of Stoners came up to Boston and spoke. And some people said, yeah, we want to respond to that. We want to do something. And so they got together and started talking about what that would look like and different things, a longer story than this, but just suffice it to say, they decided they wanted to do something to put faith into action, make diff- make personal choices for their own lives that that reflected who they were um, in Jesus, but also allowed people to come together and collaborate on something. And so they decided their specific issue focus initially would be fair trade, uh, making Boston a fair trade city specifically. And wait, I have some old like, things in my little memory box of VFJN. Um, So they worked to make Boston a fair trade city. So that was how they called on different churches and communities of Christians to think about what does it look like to follow Jesus with our resources? Specifically, how do we follow Jesus with our money and our economic choices? So fast forward a few years and Fair Trade Boston actually spun off to its own organization and Boston Faith and Justice continued forward and thought about the different manifestations they could move into. So the founder was Rachel Anderson. She was the first executive director. Then there was executive director, Ryan McConnell. He was right before me. And they both did some really wonderful things, had really specific passions that they led BFJN in and through. And then in now it's okay. 2015, um, they were looking for a new executive director. And that is when um, I interviewed for the position along with my bestest friend, Krista, we interviewed as like, Hey, we want to do this together, which the board was wonderfully open to because that was not how the position was advertised. And, um, for me, so then inserting myself in the story now, I had actually not heard of BFJM BF before I interviewed to run it, which seems a little strange now that I say that. Um, but as soon as I did hear about, as soon as Krista explained to me what it was, because she had actually done a Lazarus at the gate group and had been connected for a few years. I was like, wow, I didn't know that organizations like this existed. And I always tell people now when they ask me what I do, because I have a degree that doesn't necessarily line up with this and maybe some experience that's different. I'm like, this is the job I would have pursued if I knew that like, this is a job, this was a job, like, like interacting with Christians and calling Christians and equipping Christians to do justice work is like what I'm made for. So as soon as I, I was like, yes, let's try this. And the board just stepped out in faith and hired us. Cause let me tell you, I don't think I had a good interview. And even though I feel like I had great experience that probably qualified me in the interview, I was very careful. <coughs> Sorry, the cold is still here. Very careful to point out that like, I didn't know how to fundraise. Like, I just felt like that was important that they know. And again, looking back, I'm like, why did I feel like that was important to like explain why I wasn't qualified? So anyway, I was really called to the social justice aspect of BFJN. I I really appreciate the economic discipleship piece too. I feel like that's very unique. But where I was at that moment and kind of how I feel like I've been formed in my faith formation, the idea that we could disciple Christians around this idea that that justice and our faith are not two separate things. They're they're together. Mm -hmm. That our call to Jesus is a call to justice was just so exciting to me. And to be part of an organization that saw that calling and equipping as like uh, its role was just, yeah, I just wanted in. So that happened. Kristen and I led the organization together for about three years. Then she went on to Eastern uh, where she was a professor and now she's a dean. And I was alone for years and years. And again, still loved the job, have a wonderful board, wonderful volunteers. But 
um, around September of 2021, a young woman reached out to me (laughs) and everything changed. Uh, So I mean, like, why don't you share about how you heard about BFJN? Like what caused you to reach out to me? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's crazy when you say like September of 2021 that, you know, it was, it was definitely around that time where I was in a space, you know, where I was maturing a lot in my faith and in my walk with God and had always, justice has always been a thing that was near and dear to my heart, just in my upbringing, um, you know, being in a community where fighting for justice was at my front doorstep, um, and dealing with issues of racism and things like that. And I always say, I don't know if it's because I'm a Libra, but I always needed that balance. Um, And so justice and equity is a space that I always found myself in. And, you know, it came to a point where I had been, you know, working in juvenile justice for so long, but there was also, there was components that was missing in every space that I was in. And so it really, stumbled upon Boston Faith and Justice Network from a simple Google search. I wanted to familiarize myself with um, other brothers and sisters and organizations in my very own community or the community that I was working in uh, that not only had a very important mission on paper, um, but that was aligned with God's ultimate mission. And so I went out on a whim and I, you know, was looking at the website and I was very interested to learn more about the organization. And I emailed you, you know, just saying that I was just wanted to network and see what you do. Um, And I remember, you know, those moments having the chills that it was just very organic conversation. I could see the, you know, the passion that you had for, you know, justice work and your faith and that you had a calling to this work. Um, as you said, you were, you were made for this. And I could tell from those preliminary conversations and, you know, it was only the It was only by God's divine grace and power and his time because, you know, we had continued to network for a few months. And then I remember, um, you know, and I was also in a a career where I was looking to um, switch paths and not switch paths, but do something more intentionally um, and doing God's work. And so I remember you had emailed me like, hey, I want to talk to you about an idea. Um, And there was something like, I think Elizabeth's going to say that I should come on board, but who's, who knows? And, you know, then we we had the conversation and God made it happen. You know, he makes ways out of no way. And it was an opportunity that I was so thankful to uh, take part in and to, you know, have an opportunity to teach um, others and to equip and educate and and call others to this very important work um, and be very intentional and have um, another sister to walk alongside who has that passion and has that fight in her was something that I was um, really thankful for. And I am so incredibly blessed to be here. And, you know, the transitions, as you mentioned, and starting with uncomfortable conversations and now we're in a podcast. It's just very exciting to see um, in in a short period of time, the involvement of the organization and the work and how the Holy Spirit just leads us to continue in doing what he has called us to do. Yeah. I love, I love thinking about that time when we first started talking and like, I didn't know, like, I was just like, oh, Ivy wants to talk like this person. I don't know. And we just had a couple zoom conversations and it really didn't even occur to me even as you started talking about your own like journey and what you were looking for, like that we would ever be able to bring you on because we're just really small. Right. And 
yeah, like resources and, and logistics and all those things. Like it, it didn't occur to me, which just kind of goes to what you're saying. Like I didn't, God had a plan and I was like stuck in like, this is the way it's always been. So this is the way it's going to be. And, um, nope. So I was so excited when you, um, decided to accept a position in January of 2022. So it's been over a year. And I think anybody who knows BFJN knows how much you bring to it and, and your perspective and your passion. And I don't know, we're so alike and get along so well, and then we're so different. And so I think we just bring different things, different strengths and different focuses. So it's been great to see how that, see that play out. And now as we are sort of really intentionally moving forward in 2023 with our, um, you know, vision of calling and equipping Christians to, live justly and generously. Like, it's just exciting to think about what we're going to do from here. And, and then just specifically um, thinking about this podcast as we kind of circle around it, like already having conversations with different friends and collaborators and different partners about how to get their voice out through the podcast. Like we can share, you know, what they're doing and um, you know, different places where people can find um, brothers and sisters in Christ doing the good work um, and secular organizations and and people of different faiths as well. Like it's just such an opportunity to share. That's what I really like about this format. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also one of the things that I really appreciate, you know, whether it is those that are, you know, walking with God or those that, you know, are just doing great work in the community. One of the things for me about, you know, having a, a network of, you know, friends, of organizations that, um, are working in different areas of justice, the, the collaboration and the intentionality, because we all know, you know, we may have great gifts and talents, but we can't do the work alone. And so I'm really excited to be able to have this platform to elevate other voices, elevate great organizations and those that are doing the work to not only understand, you know, what issues of justice are here in our communities, but how we are to, you know, come together, put our minds together, put our resources together and uh, make the impact that we need to make. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about the articulation of our vision as we have it now, like this calling and equipping, right? So it, it makes space for that piece where like, okay, we're going to have a, have a place where people can learn about what's going on, who, who can find, where they can find the things that like really ignite that passion within them that really connect to the ways that they're formed. And then the equipping piece is like, oh, wait, and we're also going to f- give you avenues and ways in which you can engage and not just walk away with this sometimes heavy knowledge of like injustice and, and inequity and all of these things. But like with, with partners and, you know, co-conspirators, we can be like this, these people are doing good work. Let's come alongside. And you've got this gift and they've got this need. And like, that's just so exciting to see um, because so many people I know, I mean, we were talking about this at winter walk on Sunday. I don't know if it was you and I or me and someone else on our team, but like about like so many people I come across, they want to do something. They just don't know what to do. Um, it's just, they haven't been exposed or haven't found that thing that really lights them up. And I've just almost universally found that to be true that like when people hear about an injustice or they see an organization doing the work, they want to engage. And so for us to just be able to provide more opportunities for that, for that catalyzation, if that's an actual word, um, you know, is just really exciting to think about. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that also intrigued me about BFJN is the focus on service and doing things in the community on the ground. And, you know, I know when you were talking about how, you know, BFJN came to be, you mentioned Lazarus at the Gate. So I just wanted to know if you could share with some of our, you know, listeners or viewers um, what Lazarus at the Gate or MICA, some of our programs um, that propel people forward in the work are. Oh yeah, that's great. Good, good question. Um, so Lazarus has been around for as long as BFJN has been, I believe. It's a curriculum that was created by um, Gary Vanderpool, who who was around for the founding of BFJN and kind of was one of the key players in that. But he he created Lazarus as, I believe, his thesis when he graduated from B School of Theology. Um, Anyway, but he created it as an open source curriculum. And so he partnered with BFJN initially to allow BFJN to like offer it. And they did cohorts where they trained leaders and all of these things. Anyway, this is more like the how as opposed to the what. And so it's a, it's a free source curriculum that we now have. And we've done sort of our own little modification of it to, to sort of emphasize different focus areas. And so you can get it on our website, but it's an eight week curriculum. It's a small group study. And just putting it out there, it's it's hard. Like it asks hard questions, but not for the sake of hard questions, for the sake of really personal transformation so that the world can be transformed through transformed people. And one of the really radical things that you do in a Lazarus group is you share your budget. And different groups choose to do it different ways. You can share actual numbers, percentages, whatever. There's different ways. It's, it's not like a force feeding. But I think it's just this idea that money shouldn't be a silo that we hold outside of our um, Christian community. Like we have Christian community around a lot of things, right? Bible studies, prayer, all of the Christian disciplines, even like raising your family relationships. These are things like we bring to the table and are like, okay, speak into this with, with biblical wisdom and insight and experience. As And money, I think oftentimes we hold separate. Like, well, I don't want to talk about money. And I think, I think in so many ways, Gen Z is breaking this barrier, like in the secular world. And, and hopefully that like permeates into the faith-based world. Um, but I think this has historically just been true. Like at your church, you might not talk about money except like on during a capital campaign or like giving Sunday when they want to remind you to give, which you should. And it's very important. And it's awkward for churches to talk about money. I get that because it's like they want to disciple people about money. I believe that churches do, but at the same time, it can seem like it's just trying to get your money. So it's a, it's a difficult position, but so Lazarus really tries to address that. And it's not just about money, but like money is where your treasure is there. Your heart will be right. So it's an indicator of our values and do our budgets tell the story of Jesus is, you know, a question we should be asking ourselves. So that's Lazarus. And then Micah is a service learning program. We developed that's more recent, maybe five years ago. It was like just a couple years before the pandemic where it was like we were still betaing it and then the pandemic happened because it's an in, in-person, generally designed to be a weekend service experience where we partner with organizations doing work around poverty, food insecurity, homelessness, and trafficking so that people have an opportunity to serve. And in the midst of that, we also have teachings around those issues practically and talk about how the Bible talks about them and talks about our responsibility. So it's really meant to be really service and learning. That's why we intentionally use those words. Um, it will have a familiar little bit of a missions feel if you grew up like in the evangelical world, but hopefully with a lot of intentionality around understanding issues and partnering with organizations doing the work. Yeah. So those are kind of our two main things. And as Elizabeth 
find all of this information on our website, bostonfaithjustice.org, um, where the Lazarus program is offered. And we are doing a few different MICA programs and experiences this year. So if you would like to learn more about that, please reach out to us. Yes, definitely. We'd love to partner with people to do MICAs. And which I'm sure we'll be talking about more frequently as we get into the podcast over the next few weeks is our focus on housing justice this season. So for the winter and spring, we decided to really zero in an issue so we could dive deep and housing justice is the issue. And so we're building a MICA uh, service learning day around that in April, April 29th. So that's also something where people can come in and experience it as opposed to generally it's conceived of as a church-based experience, right? Like we love to partner with churches and come in and do MICA with a church, but we're also kind of leaning into some different ways of doing things and thinking about how can we do MICAs and offer them to people to come as individuals or families or groups so that they can experience that together as the BFJN community. Yes, that is a great point. Well, I'm so excited, um, you know, to be launching this podcast and just sharing with the community in a different way, all the things that BFJN is about so that we can expand our network and the ultimate mission of God. Yes, same. Yes. And it's always fun to have conversations with you. It just feels like that's just a fun thing. And I mean, as we're figuring out this podcast model, I think there'll be places to subscribe. It's going to be available where podcasts are available uh, and hopefully link somewhere on our website too. So the scaffolding is still a work in progress, but you know, we're getting there. Yes. There's definitely more to come. So I'm sure, you know, we'll be looking back at some point, like those are the days when we first created our podcast and look where we are now. Look at the newbies. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for this great conversation, Elizabeth, and I look forward to having more. All right. Awesome. End session one.